Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, January 21st, 2021. Perhaps even more than normal over the past year, our attention has been captured by news and what is going on in the world of politics and government. We've lived through the coronavirus, uh, presidential election, and even just yesterday, the inauguration of a new president of the United States. And while there are many things going on in the news that can and should concern Christians, it's healthy for us to take a step back from all that occasionally and look at some of the deeper realities of what is going on in our culture. And today, I want to talk to you about a deception that is going on on a massive scale right here in the United States of America. And it's something that you're not going to hear about on any news channel, no matter what, where you get your source of news, I doubt you're hearing anybody talk about this massive deception that is going on. Even in my circles of social media, I rarely see people discuss what we are going to talk about today on Revival from the Bible. And even though you might not hear about it in the news, and even though you might not see it on your social media feeds, we're going to learn about a massive lie that so many people are believing, and we're going to see it right here today in the Bible in Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look today at verses 21 through 29 of Matthew 7. And here, I think we will read some of the most sobering and really a frightening passage of Scripture and some very incredible words from Jesus Christ that demand our attention. In verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so what we see here is a very concerning situation, really, where Jesus says there will people, there will be people who stand before him on judgment day. That they come to that appointment really expecting that they are going to be just fine. And in fact, what they will hear from Jesus is, depart from me, I never knew you. And I want us to think even how that applies to our nation, the United States of America. According to a recent study from the Pew Research Center, one of the places that's kind of at the forefront, especially of religious research in this country, 65% of people in the United States of America identify as Christians. And that's a pretty high percentage. That translates to over 200 million people. That's a lot of people in this country claiming to be Christians, even though the headline over that study was that Christianity was at a historic low. 
in this nation, that still sounds like a pretty high number to me, 65%, 200 million Americans. Uh, Basically, that means there are over 200 million souls that will stand before Jesus Christ someday. And do you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, Lord, Lord. But what concerns me is how many of them will then hear, depart from me, I never knew you. We have to face the reality that with so many people claiming in some way the name of Christ, but then when looking at what Jesus says here, that it's not just the one who says this, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven, and how he calls them workers of lawlessness, we need to step back sometimes from all this stuff in the news and and politics and look at some bigger realities and a bigger deception that there are tens of of millions of souls in the United States of America who are going to face this situation that we are seeing here in Matthew 7. There are tens of millions of people who will say, Lord, Lord, and here, depart from me, I never knew you. This is urgent. This should be on the front page every single day. This is a tragedy. Now, how do we get here? What's going on and and what is Jesus saying here? Well, you see there, he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And so Jesus is making very clear something that we see a lot throughout the scriptures, that it is one thing to say something with your mouth and make a claim, but it's another thing to actually believe what you are saying. And what shows us what we actually believe, often the scripture points us to our actions. So Jesus is saying, if you say, Lord, Lord, but you don't do what the Father says, then you you don't mean what you say. I am not your Lord, which Lord really means master, right? I am not your master if you are not obeying. And there's many, many people who will make some claim of Jesus Christ, but they're not following him. They're not doing what he says. And what's the problem there? And does that mean, oh, wow, then if I want to be ready for judgment day, I better make sure I do a lot of good works and make sure that I'm ready to go. Well, we need to be careful there as well. And often uh, we like to put somewhat a formula for what does it mean to be a Christian in terms of a math equation. And one equation that is commonly thought, and I think even commonly believed in the United States of America, whether you look at certain churches that teach this, or even amongst evangelicals, people who end up practically believing this, is that if you understand the gospel, plus you respond to the gospel with repentance and faith, plus you do good works equals salvation. That understanding Jesus and what he has done by dying on the cross for sins and rising again, responding to that in repentance and faith, plus doing a lot of good works equals salvation. The Bible makes it very clear that is the wrong equation. We are not saved. We cannot be saved by our good works. Ephesians 2 reminds us it is by grace that you are saved. And it explicitly says that you cannot, that we are not saved by our works. And Romans and Galatians remind us we cannot be saved by our works. 
So no, good works do not belong on that side of the equation. A more correct way to think of the equation is that if we really understand the gospel, the message that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead, and really we understand why that's needed because we are sinners who need a savior before a holy God. And then we add to that the right response, which Jesus and the apostles, words that they frequently used to describe that response was repentance, which means turning from our sin and faith, trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So the right gospel plus the right response equals salvation plus good works. That if we are truly saved, if we really understand what Jesus has done for us, and we respond to that by saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry for my sin. I want to turn from my sin, and I want to trust Jesus. He's the Savior that I need, and I want to follow him. That will mean that that's the moment we are saved when we respond to the good news of the gospel. But we will also see in the wake of all that, our lives will be changed. If Jesus is really our Lord, we will see not perfection, but we will see a definite change in the direction of our lives. So what is wrong with America? Is it that we're not doing enough good works? No, that that's, that, that's, uh, indicates that there is a problem, but where? what's the root of that problem? And for many of us, it comes down to we do not understand the gospel and we do not understand or we have not truly responded to the gospel like Jesus tells us we're supposed to. That, that for many people, even in the United States of America, even people who think of themselves as Christians, they have never come to the realization that they are a sinner that needs a savior and that that savior is only Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God who lived the perfect life that we could not live and died as a substitute in our place. Uh, this is the good news. And many people don't understand that. Uh, many people don't understand uh, that we need uh, salvation. I think of even just how many people will use phrases like, I've always been a Christian. That betrays a fundamental understanding that of what Jesus said. No, you must be born again. Uh, none of us were born uh, a Christian in, in the truest biblical sense. We must be born again. And, and that's a under, misunderstanding throughout our society. Uh, another problem is many people do not understand what repentance and faith is all about. With the, even the word faith has been so watered down in our culture. And many people think that just by, well, I'm not an atheist. I sure I believe in Jesus that that's what the Bible is talking about. Or that, oh, I raised my hand at an event once or I, I you know, repeated a prayer after somebody that that's what makes me a Christian. Now, God could use moments like that as a part of our salvation, but only if what was going on in our hearts was a true turning from self and turning from sin and falling upon Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior and Lord that we so desperately need. And so we need to first and foremost examine ourselves. Are you a part of this statistic? Are you someone who has been deceived? Someone that thinks you are all right with Jesus, but in fact, you are not. And you are headed to hearing, depart from me, I never knew you. And that's where we should examine our lives and even what is there fruit of salvation in our lives? 
And especially if we don't see that, we need to really examine, not just, okay, let's add good works. No, that's not the gospel. We need to examine, do I understand that I am a sinner who needs a savior? And do I understand what Jesus has done? And then have I truly responded in repentance and faith? Have I just tried to kind of tack Jesus on as a, as a part of my life? Or have I truly opened up my heart to him and given the keys of my heart to him and really cried out to him as savior and Lord? This is so incredibly urgent. And so we need to not just examine ourselves, but then if you are a Christian and you are listening to this podcast, we need to make sure this message is getting out there because no news outlet is going to talk about this. People aren't talking about this in their social media. The the Republicans, the Democrats, they don't care about this. Only true Christians are going to. And that's where we need to feel burdened by this reality. And we must make it our goal to share the gospel biblically, what the Bible actually says to a world around us that kind of just assumes everybody that's not an atheist or a Muslim or a Hindu must be a Christian. That is not what the Bible teaches. There is so much confusion. There is a massive deception in our culture, and we must be the voices of truth in our society. And I wanted to take even just a little bit of extra time and talk about this passage today and how important it is. And just even as we think about all the craziness that is going on in our society, that should only renew our zeal for these things. That we realize the time is short. We must share the good news of Jesus Christ. We must seek to clear up the confusion about the gospel and what it means to be a Christian. And we must also realize that this is beneficial to people, not just in light of judgment day, not just in light of what is coming in the end, but even right here and right now. And we see this story that Jesus tells then at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the story of the wise man and the foolish man, and the wise man builds his house upon the rock and the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. And he says that what's the difference in that story? He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. If we really care about the people around us, we want to see them build their house, build their lives upon the rock of the truth of Jesus Christ. And that will benefit them not just on judgment day, but when the rains fall and the flood rise, when the world even gets crazier than it is right now, the people who have built their life on Jesus Christ, their house will be standing firm. Uh, This is urgent and so important. Let me just briefly comment on our other passages today. First, Psalm 14, where we think about the increasing godlessness in our society. Even that article that talked about 65%, which is a big percentage of Americans claiming to be Christians, it also highlights there are more people in our country that that really have no religious affiliation, more people than ever that just don't believe in God at all. And, And Psalm 14 reminds us that this is a foolish idea. It says there in Psalm 14, uh, verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And while that concerns us to see increasing godlessness in our, in our nation, even the end of this Psalm gives hope that ultimately the godless, the evildoers, they will be in great terror for God is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his 
refuge, that we see God is in control and he will always protect his people, no matter how godless a society comes. And we see a practical example of that in Acts 17, Acts 7, 17 through 29, where Stephen again is on trial and he's going back to the history of Israel. And today he's talking about Moses, Moses, who was even preserved in a godless culture that was seeking to kill babies. Hmm. That sound a little bit familiar, but here God preserves Noah and raises him up. And even when people almost turn on him, God protects him and takes him away to Midian. And then we'll see tomorrow how God brings him back. And we know the story of how Moses ends up uh, leading the people out in the Exodus. And finally, today we look at Genesis 42 and 43, where the plot thickens a little bit with Joseph and his brothers. And I think one thing we see is God is working on Joseph's heart. God is working on his brother's heart here. There's some understandable testing really of Joseph with his brothers. He, I think he wants to see, is there any change in their character? And that's something that's going to be exposed through all of this back and forth between them. And I think we are going to see that God has done some work on his brother's heart, that they they regret what they have done in the past. And even in these situations, they will show some different behavior ultimately. Uh, but we see this ongoing saga and it's going to be very interesting to pick it up again tomorrow. But today, may we pray more than ever that God would open people's eyes to the deception that is going on in our nation. For how many think that they are okay with God? How many will cry out, Lord, Lord, when they are not doing what he says? May we examine ourselves to make sure that our hearts are right. And may we be bold to speak the truth and to help people understand what the Bible teaches and to take that responsibility to make disciples and to preach the truth no matter what is going on in the world around us. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.